Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International, Tuesday at 10 p.m. on ACB Radio Maine, or wherever you get your podcasts. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Tuesday night, so you know that it's another Pride Connection. I am one of your three co-hosts, Anthony Corona. As always, I am joined by President and all-around good guy, Gabriel lopez Capati. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Pride Connection. And we have Leah, our extremely butch, and she won't call it, but I'll call it beautiful Vice President, Leah Gardner. Oh, Anthony, you and I have this debate every week. (laughs) Every week. Is there ever going to be a time where you don't need to throw the the longer and more annoying B word at me? Ever. I promise that this is the last beautiful reference and I will come up with something good for our next set of shows. I'm afraid. (laughs) We have an interesting show ahead. One of our brand new BPI members, but not so brand new to ACB itself. Randy Reed is joining us so that we can dive into a new section of the pronoun slash identification conversation. We'll be talking about asexuality today. But before we do that, we'll do our normal, as Leah likes to call it, housekeeping. Tomorrow evening, that will be Wednesday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, we will be having a new audio description conversation. This time, we're going deep down behind the scenes with Roy Samuelson and Chris Snyder and a few of their industry leading expert friends. So join us Wednesday at 9 p.m. for that. Gabriel, your president's message. Well, everyone, welcome back, like we said, to another edition of Pride Connection. This week, we're also celebrating July 26, 1990. Fast forward, July of 2020, 30 years of the passing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. So that's another of our big celebrations in the community. Happy 30th anniversary ADA. Like Anthony said, we're in for a treat tonight and this week with one of our newest members, Randy Reed. I have had the pleasure of working with Randy in different capacities at the uh, Florida Council of the Blind level. And um, yeah, we are so happy that he's joining us tonight to educate and for us to learn, like Dr. Marilyn Volker, who is our expert friend, ally, sexologist, likes to say people who live the pronoun, who walk the life, those are the real experts. So we're very happy to hear from a real life expert about what it is to be asexual. 
so before we dive in into the conversation, like Anthony likes to say, uh, Leah, do you have any housekeeping? Anything you want to share? At this point, I don't. Give me a couple months, and we'll be talking about uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about potential uh, convention items. Oh, but awesome! I think, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm I'm still still in hibernation here after the uh, virtual conventions. So you know, to be to be continued once we get into uh, late fall. <laughs> I know you're not alone. I think we're all conventioned out <laughs> yeah if, everyone if in is... acb is high uh, is convention hibernating mode yeah convention <laughs> what 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 yeah <laughs> but if you haven't filled out those convention surveys that came from convention guru mama janet dickelman please go ahead and do so and pop bpi and how wonderful our programming was in that survey as much as you possibly can because <laughs> that will definitely be a boon to our beautiful little group for next year's convention but this evening like we previously said we're joined by randy who i'm going to assume based upon the statement gabriel just made about working with him that you are in florida randy but tell us have you always been in florida where do you where have you been where are you now tell us a little bit about randy before we get into the juicy juicy subject i was born and raised in florida actually um i am currently in sarasota and i've pretty much been around that area uh, my entire life, except for a year where I did my master's in Michigan, and then I did an internship in Mobile, and now I'm back in Florida. I mean, I've traveled to other places, but I, I am a very rare, what they call a native Floridian, and every time I get in an Uber, they always ask me, where are you from? And I say, here, they say, oh, I never thought I'd meet one. Um, so... <laughs> You know, that's um, that's how that is. I have been a member of Florida Council of the Blind and by extension, American Council of the Blind since late 2016. And I've been in BPI for, I think, two weeks now. Um, <laughs> maybe three. Yes. I'm not maybe sure. one of our time. One of our, uh, time is kind of funny because I don't get out and go places and it's hard to keep, you know, nobody's doing that right now. It's kind of hard to keep track of yeah. that. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'll say three, three weeks is good. And now I'm here with you folks. So you've moved We're from bi-weekual to tri-weekual and you're here talking <laughs> about asexual. Let me ask you to start with what exactly does that mean to you? And I'm going to ask the big question that everybody always wants to know. I'm playing devil's advocate, of course. Does that mean you never get horny? And Randy, take it away. So um, the first thing is... And, and you've already alluded to it, but I always say it uh, whenever I have this conversation with people. I'm one person representing a group of people. So what I say to you tonight is, is my experience. And the, if you meet someone who identifies the same way I do, they may have some similarities, but my experience is not their experience. And just like on a scale that everybody 
or almost everybody anyway, um, in ACB will relate to, you know, your experience with blindness is not necessarily the same as um, your neighbor's experience with blindness and so on and so forth. Um, and it's important to remember that because asexuality as an orientation is generally defined as the lack of sexual attraction to any gender. But there are lots of different ways to be asexual, um, which we'll get into in just a little bit. And so they tend to call it the asexual spectrum or what they call the ace spec because asexual is often shortened to ace and, you know, spec is short to spectrum. So you'll probably hear me say ace spec or um, asexual spectrum or ace. I use them interchangeably because I haven't figured out which one I like yet. I know them all. It just means the lack of sexual attraction. And the other term that will come up is when I'm talking about people who do experience sexual attraction, because there are a long, just like there are a lot of ways to be asexual, there are a lot of ways to have experienced sexual attraction. Um, and rather than list all of those off, we're just going to use the term allosexual or allo for short, just to start you off there. All right. So what's is your personal definition of asexual? I don't find people sexually attractive, honestly. I never have. I tried telling myself that it was there many a times because being sexually active... So our, our society, our, our Western society, is very schizophrenic. It is very odd. You grow up uh, being told that being sexually active, or at least I did in my generation, I'm 32, so I'm, I grew up in the 90s. It was one of those things you were told, you know, you're not supposed to do, but it was also one of those things you're expected to do. Um, <laughs> is, is the best way, is, is, the, is the most family-friendly way I know how to express, uh-huh. express that and my experience of it. And so, you know, when I was growing up, I was like, well, I'm never going to do that because, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. And I was like, but <laughs> I have friends that are doing that and they're looking at me funny because I'm not doing that and I want to fit in. You know, I would tell myself things were there that were not there. And it's it's put me into some interesting situations. Interesting is one of those terms that can go either way. I'm I'm curious, Randy, when is there a point in your life then where you really reflected and said, you know what? I don't know what this is exa- exactly, but I'm just not sexually attracted to people regardless of of gender here's and this is my experience so not everybody feels it this way i i was a teenager a teenage male and uh my body went through the things that teenage male bodies are expected to go through um and so you know that was went part of the pretending the not there is there Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, my body is having a physical reaction to people, places, and things. So I'm like, well, my body is doing something. Something must be there. I I didn't know about, you know, things like feminist rights yet and all the things that that entails. Um, And so to my mind, you know, if your body's having a reaction, something is there and you should do something with it because it's what everybody else around you is doing. And uh, I went... Through a number of relationships on that logic, and of course they did not work out. And I remember, I remember the first time I actually alluded to it, even though 
I didn't have a word for it um, because the internet existed, but it was not something that was around in my house because at that time, and for a lot of people in the world still, it's a luxury. I was in my dorm room in high school and I turned to my roommate and I said, you know, I said, here's the thing. I, I uh, think I just don't have a sex drive, you know, and he, he was like, well, do you get horny? And I'm like, well, yeah, it works, you know. And um, he's like, well, then you have a sex drive. And I was like, well, no, I don't have a sex drive because when I get there, when it comes to the moment of where you do or do not do, I am unable to, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not able to do all, everything is there, but, but my heart isn't in it. Mm. I don't know if anybody here has ever had that experience, but if you oh, do, yeah. I mean, it's a horrible feeling. It's <laughs> in some ways it's worse than being like physically hung over. Because I know, oh, yeah. I know at least some people in here have had that experience. Well, and the reason is, is because when you're hungover, you know why. Um, you're like, right. you know, you I, know what caused I made, it. Yeah, I made some bad <laughs> yeah. choices. I was right. having a little too much fun, and now I feel miserable. And I didn't eat enough. Is, you're right, and and this is why. And I'm a stupid head, and I'm going to promise yeah. myself that I will never do this again. But I'll be back next week. <laughs> okay. With the other, you don't you don't understand why you or I did, I met like some, you know, some really good people that way. And, uh, I just could never figure it out what was wrong. And I went along, you know, I just kind of went along and kept doing the same thing because I didn't know how to, how to break the loop. I have to jump in because I have to tell you, Randy, how much I can relate to what you're saying on a different perspective. But, uh, your experience was, uh, very similar to mine growing up teenager as well uh, i also grew up let's say late 80s early 90s i'm a little bit older than you <laughs> but uh anyway what you were always told in in my case different than yours but kind of along the same lines is that boys have to have a sexual attraction for girls I, my brain kind of adopted that that rule and i had girlfriends But like you said, my sexual desire was there. But when it got to the moment, like you just said, of doing or not doing, my heart was just not there. I was not there. And and I had a couple of relationships. And, and, and just like you said, they also failed because of that. I'm amazingly good friends with, with some, of, some of the girls uh, that I dated. But yeah, the heart was just not there. And I it had to come to a point where I had to deal with it internally and i had to tell myself well i figure this whole thing out i cannot be dragging innocent people into my confusion at that point i called it confusion uh so i i stopped dating girls so i just wanted to share that with you because it's amazing how similar our situ- situations were without being the same i want to share something else that um that you brought to light from your personal experience and I want to use this moment to educate a little bit and uh, clarify many people get confused between sexual orientation and sexual practice many people think that some certain practices are unique to certain groups of individuals and that is not the case any person independent or regardless of sexual orientation can engage in or not engage in uh, different sexual practices. 
So I just I just thought of sharing that before you have anything else to comment. For a moment of perspective, you know, I have a very similar experience set as well. I, the listeners know, I uh, had a girlfriend for a long time, played baseball, thought, and everything worked. And it worked rather well, quite honestly, back then. And then other attractions started surfacing. And I realized, okay, even though this is working, now I found something where my heart's in it. So I definitely get that. But before you continue with the journey, as you started the experimentation process, did you develop personal friendships? Like the one thing with my, with my long-term high school girlfriend that I realized once I started dating men and realized, wow, okay, this is where my heart is, is that we were best friends. And I confused romantic love with mm-hmm. the fact that and we're best friends to this day we're still friends mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i the fact that we were so good in friendship and the you know experimentation the the sex part of it was you know i had nothing to compare it to so it was amazing uh, i confused that for for over three years with romantic love did you develop personal feelings as you were experimenting well, so, yeah, there's also, there exists, and I, I don't know if, if y'all know it, but I know there are people in the audience that will not. Um, there exists, and you can find it online, uh, what they call the split model of attraction. Yeah. And so what it does is it shows the the possible divergences um, mm-hmm. between your, your sexual attraction and your romantic attraction and some other attractions that will go well beyond the scope of this interview. So we'll just, we'll keep it for the sake of simplicity and time to sexual romantic attraction. And what would happen is when my, when my relationships would end, what it would come down to is most of the time, except for like the first few where I really didn't understand what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I would get bitter about it because it's what young people do. Young people feel things like that just, and I haven't lived the entire lifespan, but I will tell you that the way that I felt, things when I was younger was a lot more intense than now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would, I would often be, you know, really good friends with the people that I had been involved with. And it did not always last because, you know, there's always the cross-sex friendship kind of thing and all of the implications that come with that when somebody takes on a new romantic partner. So there are, there are some people with whom I still talk, with whom I was involved, and there are some people that, you know, I will never see again and will be perfectly happy that way, and that's just part of being a person. I don't care who you are or who you are involved with. That is just part of being people. Yeah, it's yeah. personal it's- dynamics. I mean, I certainly have in my life, I have, you know, former <clears throat> romantic partners. Some of them I'm really good friends with others did not end amicably and you know i'm estranged from and and that is that is life no matter what the situation was between two people like you like you said randy it's just part of being human were you always looking more inside you than at the experimental partners that you were with i tend to be a very introspective person by by my nature um however what you have to understand is I never had a word for this thing. I didn't have a, I, cause I didn't always mm-hmm. have the internet. And even when I had the internet, um, I was doing other things with it that did not include researching this because I'm a person and my sexuality is only one part of me. Right. And I, I keep, I Amen keep bringing it back to I'm a person, which, you know, is, is I think is 
more than anything else we're going to get out of tonight, I think is, I think is the most important thing is that we're all people. And this is just one mm-hmm. part of us. Even though I tend to do that, and I didn't really have a word for it, it was a thing, it was a part of me that I didn't really want to look at because I couldn't understand it and I couldn't explain it. You know, it scared the hell out of me because I'd be like, I've met this great person and I'm getting involved with this person against all odds because I never, like, I would never, well, with the exception of high school when I honestly thought it was something you should do, I never would approach a person with the intent of becoming romantically involved with them it would just sort of happen and if you asked me to tell you how it happened i never knew so i was i was always the worst person to have like details with you know you know those talks where you're like and how did you meet and blah 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 blah. i could never carry my own in in those conversations and i used to i used to find it amusing because people would get so frustrated by that lack of detail Um, but that is that is another thing and so I wouldn't look at it and basically what would keep it would be like you're going down a road and then and here and here are the headlights and now you are frozen and then you were like and here I am again and this person isn't the right person and so not to break up with this person because I can't do what they want me to do and I can't be what they want me to be and I kept doing that and I tried on some labels I, I tried telling people I was gay because I figured it was only women and I was like well, all the women around me are just like really sex enthusiastic and it, it's just causing me problems and I'd like to be you know I'd like to be out of that and of course I was not uh, but I didn't know that at the time because when I was growing up you had two ways to go you could be um, mm-hmm. you could be heterosexual or you could be homosexual and I learned about bisexual later but uh, you know growing up it was only it was only two options that were available uh, I tried that and that didn't work of course and so as uh, you know I'm in I'm in my early 20s at this point you know everything everything else is going fairly well but it's this one thing you know and you can go for long periods of time without without looking at it or at least I could, you know, but it's always there. Um, and so finally it got to a point where I was like, I got, I need to find a way to explain this thing, at least to myself. Um, so I know why things are the way they are. So let's pause there for one moment. I think every, you know, teenage slash young twenties person, person slash human experience. I think every single one of us at some point had that moment where, Something's going on, whether it be sexuality based or, you know, not fitting in with the group. The, you know, I love those high school movies with the A crowd and the B crowd and the C crowd, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but I'm, I'm driving towards that moment where I think all of us at some point have a feeling like, oh my God, am I the only, am I an alien living in a human body? Am I the only one who feels, fill that blank in with whatever you're feeling? So you didn't have a word. Were there moments where you thought to yourself, am I the only, like, why is this happening? How is this happening? Am I the only one this is happening to you? Because it doesn't, I don't see this around me anywhere else. There were plenty of times where I would just, for whatever reason, it would just come up and I'd be like, you know what? I, I'm a class A screw up. Um, <laughs> you know, I am whatever word you want to use to describe it. You know, this is me. I'm, I'm the only one who sees it. I'm the only one who feels it. Everybody else is just 
confusing and annoying and stupid and any other number of things because when you don't like yourself you can't like other people either Mm -hmm. um or at least i mean you can put on a show but you can't actually do it the whole thing that actually started off i took a gender studies class and they were describing uh the different types of gender and it was actually it had to do with um gender and communication and um just to give you an idea of how long ago this was it was um they define three different genders and they said you can be male you can be female or you can be androgynous and i'm not sure how i made the connection because it it, it's all been a long time ago and many sleep deprived nights but they were like yeah the the biggest reason that male and females can't communicate with each other is because of the objectification that occurs during sex and i was like oh that's what's missing i'm still looking at this person as a person and that's why my heart's not in it and that's why i can't do unspeakable Mm -hmm. things <laughs> and I was wrong about that too, but I mean, I was, you sure were. I yeah. was, but I, I was, I was wrong. I, I will, I will happily admit that because the story has a happy ending. I was looking. I was, I was desperate. It was, and I am um, a fairly bright individual, and I'm not used to having things that I can't figure out i'm a little better at dealing with that now because i'm older but when you're in your 20s and you can do pretty much anything else that you want to do and you can't figure this one things out it will drive Mm -hmm. you bananas so i was like yeah that's it i am androgynous and i am going to this is me this is my gender identity and this is why things are and then i found out that androgynous people experience sexual attraction and i was like oh (laughs) which is nothing against anybody that identifies that way but i you know once i came to that conclusion i we had um a gay straight alliance on our campus which is now um gender and sexuality alliance and i went in and started asking questions and found out that i was wrong and i was back at square one and i was like well i was like i'm here i'm this far in i can do two things i can put it back on the shelf and i can keep running into problems or I can really go down the rabbit hole and do my research. And if anybody asks, my cover story is that I'm doing a research paper, which nobody cared. I mean, it was a, the internet is not what it was today, and nobody nobody really cared what you did with it, with the exception of certain things. And so I was going down the list, and I happened to run into asexual, and uh, through um, what they call the asexual visibility visibility and education network and i started reading that and i was like that's it that's what's going on the light went off yeah the, the light, light, the light yeah the light went on and uh yeah, yeah and i so i was like that's that's the deal and so i started identifying to people and i started getting variable responses like you know the most common one being are you, are you a plant just for the benefit of people on here and for the benefit of all people that is not the thing you say to somebody who tells you that um and you also don't compare them to the american version of godzilla who was also asexual and could produce offspring that way or gremlins or any other thing that reproduces that way it's you're not gonna hack off a finger and little randy's gonna pop up a couple exactly no 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 (laughs) rejuvenation going on none of that but anyway, so, you know, I was, I was doing that and I joined the online forums and um, I was involved in some of the communities and I was trying that on for a while. And I just got to a point where I was like, this is a good thing to know, but it's really not important. And I just sort of withdrew from the community and I stopped using that label. I was like, well, I don't, I don't need a label. And like, 
nobody cares. I am a white man living in America, and if I never get married, it's just me exercising my my privilege as a white man in America to play the field and never settle down if that's my life choice. And I didn't worry about it. And it basically, it just came down to a point where I wasn't liking myself again, which everybody goes through that. You know, even today, if I tell you I like myself, I may not tomorrow. Maybe not for this reason, but for other reasons. Because again, it's just sort of being a person that that constant flux. Of course. Wait, I think this is pretty important though. You found the definition. You basically hit the pegs of, of that definition. And before you hit with the, I don't like myself again, did you feel relief that, hey, I, you know, I've got a, an index to look at. This is the closest I've ever found. This is it. Did you have momentary relief or did it go right into... No, it was was momentary and it lasted for a couple of years. Here's the deal with the asexual spectrum is that, uh, as I I said before, there are so many different ways to be asexual. I, I do have feelings, of course, but I'm more of a thinker than a feeler as a person. And so I like things when I can look at the boxes and go you know, X, Y, and Z, we check them, and this is what this thing is, and if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was looking on the internet for things, and there's a lot of different ways to be asexual, and there are a lot of different ways to describe asexual. So, you know, there are uh, what they call people identify as demisexual, and basically that means they can't experience, or they don't experience sexual attraction until they are emotionally bonded with a person and there is gray sexual people who identify that way they they only experience uh, sexual attraction you know every once in a while and there were so many terms and the part of me that likes things in boxes and likes to be able to look things up and know things basically what was happening was i wasn't finding the thing on the internet that described me because the internet is a source of information. It does not really provide feelings that you need to sow the identity. And so after a couple of years of that and going back and forth and trying all of these labels, I was like, this is a total mess. There's no such thing. I'm what, whatever's going on with me. It's not this. I don't buy it. All these people on the internet are deluding themselves. And and the other thing too is that you know the asexual community is very much online. Like I have never actually met a person physically that I know of anyway um, that identifies this way. The internet is more has more tangible things on it now because of our social climate uh, and the things that are going on. But back then it did not. And it was very easy to just go, I don't buy it. Uh, And that's what happened. And then once that happened, I was like, and I'm an idiot and I don't like myself for being an idiot because I am smarter than this. Are you kind of saying, so yeah, there was a, there was this kind of light bulb moment, but then it dimmed out again when you couldn't exactly find that hue of light that described who you were, you know. Yeah, like it, it just it didn't fit in the box yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. you um, wanted to check a box. Yeah, it's, I it's wanted very, to check a box. It was it was the me <laughs> that likes being an academic um, mm-hmm. versus the me that feels. Um, and the internet can never win that battle. You you're the only one who can win that battle for you. That's a very important point to check right now because a lot of people 
that are not well versed in different orientations, different ways of expressing your own internal feelings will immediately say, oh, you're asexual. You don't feel anything either way. Mm -hmm. You just don't feel, right? I don't. And I don't pick up on a lot of the subtleties that go on that other people seem to feel like. So for me, the other thing was like, I was just, I felt like I was missing a lot of the program because to me, I would look at two people in a bar and they're talking to each other. And the next thing you know, one of them is having the other one's baby. And I'm like, well, how did that happen? They, you know, <laughs> two minutes ago, they, they were talking to each other about sports, which is something else I don't really care about. But, and I'm like, where, where did this come from? It's very much to, from where I'm standing. It looks like everybody else is on a slightly different plane of existence from me personally that I cannot perceive and I can't touch it. And I don't know it's there is what it felt like to me. So it was like, I can't touch it. it, it I, it's, you know, I'm not seeing it. Everybody else is seeing it. Therefore I'm the problem you know, something is wrong with me is where it comes back to. And, and to this day, I still don't pick up on those things. I just, I understand why, and I don't worry about it. But the result of that is I kept experimenting and I would find people that do things that I didn't know about and that have tastes that I didn't know about. And if they were comfortable with it, I'd ask them questions and I would try things. And that's how I know things um, that you wouldn't necessarily expect me to know, which we found out about before the recording, but, um, <laughs> but that's okay. So, you know, I, I know about that stuff and I don't, you know, when you, when you read books, lots of books have sex scenes. And so you pick up on things that way as well. And there's any number of ways to find out things uh, from an academic standpoint. So, you know, so it was, it was basically me struggling with myself and it, it still happens because people are fluid. They change for whatever reason you, I mean, you can be stable now and 10 seconds from now uh, you could be in free fall, um, you know, in a New York minute as the old song goes. So, and I, I think that's important for people to understand too. I'm curious Randy, if I know in talking with some other people that the comfort level in themselves came more from the idea that finally they could stop trying to check off boxes and stop mm -hmm. trying to worry about exactly where they fit on a spectrum. And I'm wondering if for you, you spent so much time trying to research, okay, exactly what box do I fit mm -hmm. in? What describes me perfectly? I'm wondering if you've reached more of an acceptance level of yourself now that it doesn't sound like you are trying to find that box that fits just right. Well, so yeah, it, it happened. So basically what happened was uh, it got put back on the shelf. I didn't worry mm -hmm. about it. Um, I ended up in another relationship and it fell to pieces for reasons. And I was like, well... It didn't work out and I'm not going to worry about it. And I got to be, let's see, this would have been about three years ago now. And I was like, all these people around me are doing these things and hitting these milestones and I'm not. And I have no interest in hitting some of these milestones, like a romantic partner. I don't, I don't have a need for it. I don't want it. Friends are good. And, you know, certain friends are, are more friend to you than others and you know that's fine but as far as you know making that connection that our society places such a high importance on i was like i don't care and i was like and we're back to this because i know what it's called and 
you know, maybe there's new information in the community and maybe I'll have that aha moment. So it's same song, second verse. And I jumped in. This is, I'm telling the story in a matter of minutes, but we're talking about basically 10 years now. Of course. Because it's 2020 now and I'm telling my story now. So this is 10 years. I basically, uh, I got back in and within like two or three years, not only did we have all these different ways to be asexual, but now we have all these different genders um, yeah. that I never knew about before either. And I had to I had to quick learn up on that because if you are going to interact with people online, you better know your stuff. I mean, some people are really compassionate and will just gently correct you. And those people are gems and to be treasured. And then there are the more common in my experience, the people that, you know, it's the internet and they can yell at you and they will do so. Um, so you, you kind of have to know your stuff. So I started looking into that. And as I was doing that, I was like, all these people are basically, they have all these different ways to describe themselves. And they don't worry about if they can find it on the internet. They just come on and they say, you know, this is my experience. This is what I'd like to be called and people respect it. And I was like, and that's magic. And then I was like, so now I need to figure out how to do it for myself. If for no other reason, so that I know what to call myself. Because I wasn't worried about other people at this point. It's still all about me. Very, very self-centered way of doing it. But sometimes you have to do it that way. So I was doing it and I was trying on all the different ways to express it. And I found a different podcast called uh, Sounds Fake But Okay. And I started listening to it. And what it did for me was it put a human voice behind the things I was seeing on the internet. And once, once I was able to make the connection that all this stuff on the internet is associated with people and they have things that are going on, you know, with people that are like me, they have likes, they have dislikes, certain TV shows that they watch. Once, once I was able to actually see that connection in action, I was able to make it for myself. It was humanized. Yeah, it was humanized. That that was the problem. I, to me, mm-hmm. and I'm, I guess I'm no different from a lot of other people, but to me, when a robot is reading you everything, it doesn't always sound like a person. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it never sounds like a person. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a robot. It just makes it that much more challenging to make the connection. And I would say that is unique to people who are blind or visually impaired, but not necessarily because everybody else is just reading things off a screen. The only difference is there may or may not be a profile picture there Mm -hmm. that reminds you that, hey, this person is human or this poster is human, I guess. You know, Randy, I just wanted to point something out, you know, because to go back in the conversation, we've come such a long way. You talked about being in that gender and communication class and the professor talking about three genders, male, female, and androgyny, you know, and now we're at a place where we talk about gender nonconformity and we talk about gender non-binary. And we, we look at that and I think a lot of people get lost in those terms in that verbiage. And I just want to underscore what you have brought up in the past few minutes, which is it's not just the terms, it's not just the pronouns, it's the human behind all of it that is most critical it's not all the kind of quote-unquote new and different language that people have developed to describe who they are it's the human aspect i think that gives people vitality and gives people a sense that they are who they need to be and that their identity 
is valid. So I, I really, I want, I really wanted to underline the human piece of all of this. And I, and you know, the other part of it is our, is our cultural perception too. I mean, we, we live in a mm-hmm. world where anything you don't know is you type it into a search box and you get, <laughs> you get oodles and oodles of resources. <laughs> right. Um, right. And is great for a lot of things, but not for this one. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't good for me. I mean, it was because it gave me a point to start looking, but it also, it also delayed it, my own personal acceptance of the situation. And so, you know, I, I started following their podcast and I'm a regular listener and they have a, they have a discord server and I'm involved in that as well. And I, I do that just so that I can remind myself, you know, that there are people on the other end of this thing. Um, it's not, it's not just me and a bunch of words. Um, yeah, a couple of points, right? And the uh, parallel universe, again, uh, your story is very, very similar to mine. I experienced the same thing, exactly. And I've told this story a lot of times here on ACB Radio on different shows and programs. I, I felt like I was by myself. I felt like an alien. So I googled blind gay and there it was, BPI. Be flagged back then, but then you know I kept in contact and I became part of the discuss list and 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 I and I was happy for a moment just knowing that there were people out there like myself and that there was this whole organization under ACB that represented who I was. But it wasn't really home until I went to my first convention in Louisville in 2012 and I met all these humans <laughs> in person right there in front of me and 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 it was such an open group and uh that's one of the things that i think folks like you randy have found in in bpi which is we always say come as you are uh we're not expecting you to check any boxes we're not expecting you to identify uh you know whether you want to be an ally whether you uh if you want to identify uh you know then great but if you don't want to identify then that's totally fine and what leo was saying is another aspect of what we have been working and we just started you know scratching the surface with the two community calls that we had so far around uh, pronoun usage and inclusive language because what leo was saying is at the essence of of this discussion and and you randy are just you your life experience is it, it enlightens us and it brings us a real life experience a real life journey of what this whole conversation is because just because we didn't have a word or a pronoun or a category doesn't mean that it didn't exist it just meant that now you find that you have a voice and society is opening up to welcoming those voices that have not been traditionally given a space so with that new voice and with those life experiences that you're sharing with us you're, you're talking about 10 years imagine how many other people have struggled for decades with like, i say 10 years but in reality it's 32 I yeah mean, you uh, really yeah. Want, i mean yeah. it's only been 10 yeah. years since the light went on that you started at, uh, uh, this process of self-discovery and then now you're talking about it so now you don't have to conform you don't have to settle for being you know, having certain similarities with this group and another similarities with that other group and maybe a little bit of here, a little bit of there. No, you are unique and you are who you are. And that's it. End of story. You don't have to be a certain way or you don't have to check 
certain categories or certain characteristics to fit within a specific group. Are you okay? It sounds like in the journey that you've given us so far that at some point you had to take your own mind out of the scientific mind. The light bulb went off, it dimmed, it went off again. And then it sounds as though at some point you knew the boxes didn't really count anymore. That you don't need a checklist, you don't need boxes. Are you okay? And where do you, where so, do you feel slash think at the moment? I'm in a decent spot. I, uh, I'm here doing this. Six months ago, this would have been just something I would have liked to do. I'm not sure that I would have actually been able to go through with it. I certainly couldn't do it a year ago. And, you know, three years ago, I was like, oh, I'm back to this again. But, you know, you know, I'm in a good spot. I'm here. I'm telling it. Uh, I'm having it, it's out. Um, this is the experience. So it's, it's a good spot. And I don't know where it goes from here, but I'm really interested to find out. Today, what do you need the world to know and experience and feel based upon your journey? So here's, it- here's the thing I want the world to know, particularly people who work with people who are growing, which I guess is everybody, but I'm, I'm picturing children while I say it. If you are going to expect the people who live in your society to have sexual experiences, if that is an important part of growing up, make sure that they know it and don't tell them simultaneously, you know, that it's bad and good, you know, at the same time, or, you know, at least be able to set the context for when, Mm. when it's okay and not okay. There are more than one sexual orientation and there are certainly more than two sexual orientations you know is is the big thing and the third thing is if you haven't had sex yet or if you're not having sex yet or if you aren't even sure that you don't want to you're still growing up you're still you know you're still a person you're still an adult and you know those are the three things i had a guidance counselor in high school say to me once and mind you at this point i knew that i was attracted to women but i had a guidance counselor say to me you know, I, I've noticed you don't seem to have uh, any kind of dating interaction um, with boys. Is that a problem <laughs> that we need to talk about? Oh, wow. And yeah, no. so I think the point is I'd love to see, and, I, and that was in 1990, 1993. So, I mean, you know, I hope that we've come a long way since then in our schools, but could we be at a point in society where we don't get so concerned about what interactions people have with the opposite sex or the same sex or whether they conform to one idea or another, but, you know, we just accept people for who they might be and we tell them, hey, whatever you are, it's okay. It's fine. I think we're at a part point where we're talking about it. And there's a lot of work to do. Sure. Um, if there wasn't, we wouldn't be having this conversation because we wouldn't yeah. need to. Devil's advocate moment. Thousands of years of setting up the pegs of society the way they've been set up aren't going to topple over in, in a couple of years. We can just continue to point the conversation in the right direction and hope that more and more humans will open their minds enough to understand the pegs that are placed here are placed by choice, not by some theological or Mm. physiological or all the different logical 
degrees, they don't actually exist. We have placed interpretations and placed those pegs because we wanted or needed definitions that don't necessarily have to exist. And we can just continue to point the conversation that way and hope that people will understand and and accept and embrace. And the key there with what you're saying, Anthony, is open mind, which is another of PPI's mottos. We tend to live in a society where some people or some groups or certain uh, ways of thinking have adopted the ownership of absolute truth. And when they cannot explain it according to the principles or to the methodology that they're using, whether it be scientific, whether it be religious, whether it be cultural, uh, when they cannot explain it, it's a deviation, it's a pathology, it's something, there's something wrong with you that needs to be fixed. So once we're able to crack in and open minds, we're going to be able to show to the world that we are, like you very well said it, Randy, primarily persons. We are humans. And then from there, we are the real experts because in your life, no one is going to tell you what you feel and what you think and what you felt and what you discovered. Like you said it, Randy, for the past 32 years, no one is going to tell you you are the expert of your life. I think that's that's important. And I think, you know, I think it's important, especially if you are working in the field of education, to find out about as many different ways for people to describe themselves as possible because you could make the difference between, you know, somebody having, you know, the light bulb on and being okay with themselves and uh, somebody spending a lot of time being angry with themselves and the world Mm -hmm. at large. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and uh, people being angry at the world and at themselves or, you know, or how the Lex Luthers of the world are born. There's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this who who light bulbs are going to be going off for them, whether it be in their own personal lives or people that they know. So if Randy now, 2020 Randy, could go back and give a couple of tips to early Randy, who is experimenting and feeling like you should have this conversation with those partners that you were exploring with, but you didn't have the experience and the words and the and, and all of that you would have needed to have the conversations the way you'd have them now. What tips would you give that, Randy? And the reason I'm asking that is because I'm sure that there are people that are in the middle of their journey who are having or need to have conversations and don't have the experimentation level and or knowledge that you've given yourself. Reference, yeah. What would you say to those conversations that you had back then and how would you have them now? (sighs) Here's the thing. When people get asked things like that, a lot of times what I've seen them do is go back as I would tell myself not to feel these things and not to worry about it and not to do the things that I did back then. Of course, because what you would like to avoid is the feelings that came with it. I wouldn't tell myself not to do those things. Um, because I, if I didn't do those things, mm-hmm. even though some of them sucked horribly, you know, I wouldn't be here, but I would, mm-hmm. I know what I was like by then. So I probably would have punched myself in the face, but I still would have said it, you know, keep going. It's going to work out. It, it did for me. It may not for everybody else, but that's what I would tell myself. All right. And for a person who is listening to this, who the light bulb might just be going off for, what advice would you give them that they're dealing with these same situations, people expecting them to quote unquote pick a lane, to have some fun, to do these things that everyone else is doing? To them, I would say 
if there's a thing that it feels like you want to try, go ahead and try it. Make sure that you're in a safe spot. Uh, if mm-hmm. you don't feel safe trying it, find people who um, will answer your questions and not be defensive. Find people who are willing to have that dialogue with you, you know, and answer, answer honestly. Um, the other thing is, you know, remember that if you're feeling it, somebody else out there is feeling it. They may not describe it in exactly the same words as you do because they may speak a different language. And English is actually in a lot of ways a very limited language I am finding out. They may not describe it the same way you do, but somebody else is feeling it. It's just going to take you a while to find them. Well, you can start with PPI. Some of us who want to feel, experience, experiment, and learn and love each other for who we all are. I was going to say, we started the conversation with asking Randy to tell us who he's been, where he's from. So, Randy, can you tell us who you are now and where you want to go, who you want to be? So, I'm not entirely sure where I want to go, but (laughs) right now I am the person that feels very comfortable having this talk with all of you. That's great. Um, And at large, because this is going out over the air. I'm that person, um, and I am... The person who is comfortable um, having that talk with people and sharing, you know, and sharing the experience. And I don't want to be the person that's like, oh, you don't fit my checkboxes. You don't belong. Please go on up the road. I don't want that because I got that. Or at least I mm-hmm. feel like I got that. I mean, I may not have gotten that. It may have just been my perception. But in any case, I don't want it. You don't have to play my game to be my friend. Mm. Oh, Say I that like again. That. That's really important. That's critical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to play my game to be my friend. I really, really like yeah. that. The, you know, you've mentioned the spectrum and et cetera, et cetera. You mentioned a website that helped the light bulb go off for you. So anybody listening to this who light bulb is going off, do you want to point a few directions out? Probably the most known website and biggest collection of resources is asexuality.org. And that is the Asexual Visibility and Education Network. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been around since either 2001 or 2002. Um, And it was started by David Jay, who is seen as um, the founder of um, maybe not asexuality, but the asexual, (laughs) asexual community. And he, he was over in England, I believe that's the big one. And then uh, the other place is um, there's a podcast called sounds fake, but okay. And their website is soundsfakepod.com. And if you want a more academic field of things, if, the, if you're the kind of person that when you're exploring, it makes you feel more comfortable with that at first. Episode 87 of that podcast is, they call it the asexual. what is asexuality, or sometimes they call it the asexuality TED Talk. It does uh, get into lots more technical terms than I have today. And they also have an asexuality resources list. You can start in those two places, and because the internet is the internet, uh, you can go down the rabbit hole. And uh, yeah, you can, and you can find out (laughs) as much or as little as you want, as long as you remember that, you know, the aha for you, the thing that explains what you are may not actually be on the internet. It may, it may be, you know, inside you and you are the one that's going to have to put the pieces together. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. That's a great way of putting it. Gabriel, Leah, we are coming towards the end of this beautiful hour. 
Do you guys have a final question for Randy? I just want to thank Randy. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show and talking about an issue that I don't think has received a great deal of space. And I'm, I'm glad that you felt comfortable enough at this point in your life to discuss it with us and reach out to other people who may be grappling, you know, with the same uh, feelings or who just might want to learn more so that they won't ask stupid questions like, are you a plant? Uh, (laughs) I I think that this for me has definitely been um, an educational hour and also a human experience. Absolutely. So thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you for having me. No, absolutely. Randy, I I also want to thank you for educating us. And by us, I mean everyone listening to this show podcast, because sometimes we kind of don't know where things come from or where people, you know, what, what people's walk has been. And if we don't have the courage to speak up and we uh, don't share our life experience. We're just kind of being complacent with with the system and allowing society to ignore um, our you know our very own existence. And if you know courageous people wouldn't have done what uh, what they have done along the course of history, I don't know where we would be. Because I take it you know I bring it back home to BPI and. Uh, and like I always said, BPI was a life changer for me. And I don't know what would have happened to me if I wouldn't have ha- found BPI. So thanks for expressing your voice. Thank you for doing it here with us. And thank you for educating us. It was a lot of fun to do it. I've been looking for an opportunity. So I'm glad I found it. Not, you know, not necessarily to tell people what asexuality is, although that is an, is important, but just to share the experience and to have an audience. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think that is um, probably the most important thing, even if it's just an audience of one. We had a guest not so long ago who wrote his memoirs, and he said whether you publish it or not, it's a great exercise to, to write your story, to tell your story. And the more and more we do this show, the more and more we talk to people the more and more I realize what a profoundly true statement that is. When you tell your story, you're giving a different connotation of power to yourself, to the world at large. So I cannot thank you enough for coming on and sharing your journey up to this point with us. I hope that when we open up more gender and pronoun and just human conversations, that you'll join us for those conversations, whether they be community calls or more here on the Pride Connection, ACB mainstream radio show and or podcast. Leah, in closing, tell them where they can find us. All right. So if you want to learn more about Blind Pride International, you can visit our website at blindlgbtpride.org or you can email us at membership at blindlgbtpride.org. Randy Reed, thank you so much for joining us. Gabriel, Leah, we'll be back in just about a week. Everybody stay safe and live in pride. Have a great evening. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Stay well. Thank you for listening to the show. We'd like to invite you to send any comments, questions, or just join our conversation. Email us at membership at blind 
blindlgbtpride.org. That's membership at blindlgbtpride.org. And join our conversation. You have been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org. They will find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers.